You are now tuned in to the Believe Network. Do you believe? as an athlete to fight back so why all of a sudden when you retire do you stop the good fight this is finding center with nick hardwick hey gang thanks for the time if you follow our stories on instagram at nick hardwick then you already know i post almost every meal that i eat I do that to show that health and maintaining a fit and active body and lifestyle is no trick. It's consistently making good choices. One thing I put into my body since the company was founded in 2017 is Bubs Naturals Collagen Protein and MCT Oil Powder. One way or another, I've used Bubs religiously daily. I swear by it. You're going to love it. As of so many people that have taken me up on that recommendation, I ran into a lady at the supermarket the other day. She stopped me. She goes, oh, my God, I love Bubs. Couldn't help but smile and say, hey, I do too. No other college brand can claim to be 100% NSF certified, and they donate 10% to charity. How many companies can claim that? If you're in the San Diego area, Bub's products now available at Barron's Market. Stop in and pick yours up. If you don't have a Barron's near you or don't want to go to the store right now, order it online at bubsnaturals.com. You can also check out their blog for creative recipes at bubsnaturals.com. Use the code HARDWICK15 for 15% off your order. Hey gang, joining us today is a guy on the front lines fighting traumatic brain injury named Dr. Cabron Chapek. From the back cover of his new book, Concussion Rescue, a comprehensive program to heal traumatic brain injury. Few of us have been untouched by injury, whether on the sports field, in a car accident, falling off of a bicycle, or in the course of military service. While the consequences of a concussion are not always immediately apparent, they can range from debilitating to devastating. In fact, traumatic brain injury is fast becoming a national health crisis with millions of Americans visiting emergency rooms with a TBI each year. There are proven effective steps for healing. In his groundbreaking new book, Dr. Chapek describes in detail the programs and protocols he uses at the Amen Clinics. They are proven effective steps for healing. With an awesome forward by the renowned psychiatrist Dr. Daniel Amen himself and really high praise from physicians like Mark Hyman, MD, this is a powerful guidebook for anyone who wants to steer themselves or a loved one into better brain health. As always, I thank you so much for your time. I sure hope this helps some of you folks out there. Enjoy the podcast. Doc, thank you so much for the time. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Nick. Yes, I greatly, greatly appreciate this. I think it's going to be super informative for a lot of our listeners. Now, before we get into healing the brain after TBIs, do you mind giving us your thoughts on the coronavirus in general and kind of how we're handling this? You know, we've had a lot of questions. Mostly I'm focused on the patients that I work with and that, you know, we work with mental health and brain health. So people are a little extra fearful and concerned uh, about what this means. And, you know, the biggest thing is, not having a sense of control of what we're, you know, what, what do we do when you don't have control? And uh, I just think about what we can control. What can we do? You know, if it's staying at home with your kids, uh, really recommend a schedule. You know, we, nice, we're like yes. trying to homeschool our kids right now as well. I got three kids and <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I could send them to school, but we can't. So we've got to kind of make it like school, you know, recess it 
you know, 10 a.m., math at 11. And Oh, good. Wow, you're, you're really writing it hard. You know, we started at, <laughs> we got two boys, too, who are doing a little bit of work right now. And part of it is like, hey, in the mornings we wake up, we hammer it, and then our uh, mental education has really turned a lot into physical education. We're in California right now, so it's like super sunny. So we get out, we walk, we nice. bike, we, we get a lot of physical activity. Tell me, a tell me a little bit about that. I mean, as far as dealing with stress and anxiety and not having control on mental health, how, how difficult is that? And are there any recommendations other than coming up with some type of schedule and system? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's important to, of course, turn off the news. Don't think about it 24-7. Uh, going for walks as much as you're able to getting outside especially if it's nice we're up here in seattle it's decent you know a little cloudy at times but we've actually been having good weather so i i think it's good to because when you when you get stressed you build up cortisol and adrenaline it just circulates and kind of wears away at you and the best way to get rid of that is movement and so i think you're doing exactly the right thing that for you and your kids to flush out that stress we're made we're humans we're made to move um any supplements you're specifically recommending to your patients yeah. to help during this time? Absolutely. I love uh, magnesium. Okay. You know, it's very Any calming. specific type? Yeah. I like glyconate, magnesium okay. glyconate, uh, 150 to 200 milligrams, two to three times a day. For some people, that's too calming. That's my favorite one for sleep, though, is magnesium glyconate. Do you take and it before bed? <clears throat> take it before bed, 400 to 600 milligrams, really useful. Uh, the other one I think is really useful at this time is L-theanine. So theanine, 200 milligram per capsule, and it's super safe. It's from green tea. It's an amino acid. Uh, for patients with PTSD and anxieties, you know, 300 to 400, several times a day, two, three times a day. But just for your general person, it just reduces, it blunts the effect of cortisol and lowers that stress response um i love the herb ashwagandha for that same reason yeah I, take that every, I put that in my matcha tea every single morning nice yeah. you're right on it yeah. um i love ashwagandha i also love um glycine so glycine is another amino acid <clears throat> it's the most abundant amino acid in the nervous system it's very calming very safe and I used to work at a, a residential treatment facility and we had patients with panic attacks and anxiety coming off benzodiazepines like Xanax and stuff. Oh, yeah. We'd give them glycine, like large doses of glycine um, if they were having anxiety and panic. So that's a useful one. Now, the theanine, you mentioned that it comes from the green tea extract. Is there any caffeine? Should people be concerned about taking that before bedtime? No caffeine in it. So they've okay. separated that out and it's just the theanine. And, and in fact, if you have, it's kind of like the antidote to caffeine. Oh yeah. They, you know, green, Zen monks are drinking their green tea. So they're like a little bit up and awake, but they're also relaxed at the same time. Oh, perfect. So, That's like a really nice state to be in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're alert, but you're relaxed at the same time, other, rather than being all hyped up. Exactly. Right, let's get into the brain in your new book, which I thought is fabulous. And I'm super pumped. I've got my copy. I've been reading awesome. it. And I, I really do want to spread the word about this because mm -hmm. I think there's so many people out there that could use the information that you have in there and put it to use today with their loved one or themselves and start mm -hmm. healing that brain. How did the brain become your world? You know, I've been working in mental health at least 12 years now. 
And I think that the number one major cause of mental illness is brain injury, mild traumatic brain injury. Okay. And that's from doing, you know, we've done at Amen Clinics 150,000 scans now. And it's just, you know, time and time again, I'll have, like I had a patient, we'll call him Jeremy, who's 21 when he came in. He's this jazz drummer, this little scrawny little kid. And he was uh, really talented, but so depressed, like suicidally depressed since he was 14, 15 years old and didn't know why. Tried every medication. He had been through some really good therapy. Nothing was working. When we scanned his brain, he had clearly had injury to the left side. And so instead of just, and, and I, but on his history, he had no history of brain injury. Like he had never thought he had had a head injury. And so I told him, Jeremy, you've had a head injury. Where did this come from? And he said, I don't know. So I, you have to add, you have to think back, you know? So um, have you ever had a motor vehicle accident? Have you ever fallen off a bicycle, fallen out of a tree, uh, fallen off a horse? No, no, no. Have you ever played contact sports? Oh, yeah, I play, started playing football when I was 12, 13 years old. And I was matched up against the coach's son. He was like six feet tall at the time. And I was like <laughs> this funny little kid. Just get pounded and I'd have dizziness and headaches after practices. So that's when his depression started. And so at the if, early ages, depression started then. Yes. His wow. depression started at like 14. He, all through high school, he was suicidally depressed. Oh, wow every day and nothing was working and tried every class of med really good therapist was referred by a great therapist <clears throat> and so in this in addition to changing his meds we put him on a program to heal his brain and over the next several months suicidal thoughts lifted depression began to lift he stopped smoking the pot that he was smoking and now it's two years later he's about to graduate from berkeley school of music in boston doing great bravo so it's fantastic like, doc tell me about that the smoke in the pot and yeah we've, we've had a guest on in the past who thinks that it leads or has potential to lead down that kind of psychotic psychosis path mm -hmm. when you were talking about the patient that was smoking the marijuana yeah it, it is it like, is it led there by the depression or is it caused because of the depression? Like what's happening yeah. there? It's, well, a couple things. I mean, I've had patients who have had brain injuries, like, like totally perfectionistic type A rule following. I remember this girl, she was like 20 years old going to um, community college locally. And she was like that, like perfect little image of good student, follow the rules. After she had the severe brain injury, she became a party girl using drugs. She had damage to her frontal lobe. So that filter, don't do that. Impulse control is gone. Everything she wanted to do, she just would do. Uh, so we need to heal that frontal lobe. That's her break. It's like, don't do that. Um, so part of it, he had damage to the frontal lobe. That was clear from the injury. But he also had damage to his temporal lobe, and he just felt like crap. And that needed to be stabilized. And so... Uh, I think for him, it's just the only thing that helped him feel good. Yeah. I have seen a number of people when I worked in the residential treatment center who it will precipitate a psychotic episode once they start smoking pot. And I think some people are vulnerable to that. Clearly not everyone. I mean, there's millions of people smoking pot and not having psychotic episodes, but there's a subset of people who are vulnerable to that. 
What are you seeing with the spec scans as it yeah. relates to marijuana use? Ooh, good question. So uh, we have in this database 150,000 scans. We're looking at blood flow, different than an MRI, which looks at structure. This is looking at activity of the brain. So yeah, these things are they're beautiful to look at. I really do want to get one. I've had an EEG, I've had an MRI. The EEG did show damage. The MRI, I've never had an MRI show any type of uh, ligament tears, nothing. It's never shown anything. I've had 11 surgeries, never had an MRI really come up and say, yes, this is a torn ligament or it's a torn meniscus or cartilage or whatever it may have been. Never once got a positive result out of an MRI. But right. the EEG but, did show that I was having some disruption in the brain waves. Okay. So tell me about the spec scan because just looking yeah. at them, they're beautiful, but I think they paint a very clear picture of you know how the brain is operating and what's causing damage or what it looks like. They do. So we're looking at blood flow um, and you know there's been studies to compare the two and that's it'll pick up sensitive it looks at activity of the brain versus the structure. And that's what's so important. You know, it's good to still have a CT or MRI if you go to the ER with the head injury to rule out a brain bleed. And that's the worst case scenario. But most of the time that's going to get missed. Yeah. And the, the problem is people are, are told you're going to be fine because it was normal. But they're hurting. They're still having light sensitivity or dizziness or whatever. You've had your injuries to your ligaments and tendons. You know there's been an injury. Yes. You, know, you don't you need an fear it. so it's kind of like that it's like it validates what's going on with the brain because it's so sensitive at picking that up and so when it comes to cannabis use and things that decrease brain activity you know we did the study to show what what decreases brain activity uh number one is aging as you might guess as we get older we lose some brain activity number two is schizophrenia number three was cannabis Wow. So cannabis decreases brain activity <clears throat> globally and especially frontal lobe. Now, this is not CBD. This Which, is like not, you mentioned, the frontal lobe is the breaking mechanism. It's the breaking it's, it's mechanism. The, it's the restraint, it's the impulse control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helps with motivation, helps with, like, let's go do this, let's think things through, decision making. It's really an important part of the brain. So, if you take that offline, it's hard to function. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Kind of need that. Uh, so, you know, and that's the thing. It's very popular now to use CBD and different things. We're just kind of looking at what happens, you know. But this is just study, just cannabis, smoking pot, most days of the week, decreases brain activity. We know it decreases brain activity. Gotcha. What, what do you know about CBD? And this may not be have been around for long enough to really have a good handle on the studies mm-hmm. that are coming out. What could you tell us about that? Cause I do get asked about that all the time. Yeah. Well, I do think it stabilizes parts of the brain may have some anti-inflammatory effects, but overall, I'm not sure what it does chronically if people are using it for long periods of time. Right. I know topically it's really fine. There's no real risk with topical use for local need for inflammation, but for the brain, I just don't know. We just, it's too, when we have other tools, I use those first because we know they have a good track record. Right. Like the magnesium we talked about, lithium orotate helps stabilize temporal lobes. Temporal lobes are stabilized by CBD. We know that because that's where seizures happen. 
And there was some toddlers in uh, Colorado, I believe, who were having, this kid had seizures that were not, no meds were working and they couldn't figure out what to do. So they gave them CBD and that stopped their seizures. And so CBD, temporal lobes, great. Some people with mood instability need temporal lobe support. So I don't know, it's a very interesting topic to us. We're just kind of following it. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's kind of reset it a little bit here. Describe, if you will, to me what happens to the head after a traumatic brain injury, mild or not. Great question. So there's two phases. The first phase is primary injury. So that's ripping of neurons, tearing of the meninges, which is surrounding the brain, breaking of blood vessels. That's the actual physical injury. But really the problem, especially with mild traumatic brain injury, is that there's a secondary injury, this cascade of inflammatory events, this inflammation, this swelling that continues to last for months and sometimes years. It's like a fire that hasn't been put out and needs to be squelched and, and calmed down. And um, that's where we need to act. That, that's what the studies show. There's hundreds of studies pointing at this. These are the mechanisms. Um, for example, there is a study in Stanford, this undergraduate researcher, Theodore Roth, uh, took an intracranial microscope, put it in a mouse skull, and gave these poor little mice a head injury. And we watched in real time as this cascade of events happened. And you could see this injury, you could see this inflammation. And then he applied glutathione, which is an antioxidant, quenches inflammation. If applied immediately, there was 67% less cell death. If applied wow. within three hours, there was 50% less cell death. So there's this window of time in which to act, to apply something that we can intervene. And people are starting to catch on to this. But this is, this is the new idea with brain injury that and I'm so glad you're talking about and sharing with me today, is that this is the new idea where we need to think about the brain that we can't see. Yes. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these injuries, it's like the invisible injury, right? So we would it walk is. around the NFL building and you would have a concussion and people kind of look at you funny, like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you playing? Because you're walking fine. You're still lifting yeah. weights. You're still able to have a conversation, right? but, but things aren't quite sitting right. So no. how do we identify a head injury that requires treatment from just kind of a bump on the head. And this really applies to everybody. As I watch my two boys wrestle around and fight on the trampoline and <laughs> fall off of bikes and just live regular life. Like they're not even right. involved in football. Like how do we know if mm -hmm. the brain requires treatment or if it's just kind of a regular bump to the head? It's a really interesting question because uh, you can't see it. Like if, if you twist your ankle and it starts swelling, you know you need to to treat that but we instinctively almost reach for ice before we even see if it's swollen right yeah like rest ice compression elevation exactly i think we should do that with any significant blow to the head you see stars you fall when my i you know my kids are now 7 10 and 13 so if they fall and they know they're supposed to do this if they fall and they hit their head at all they just come in and i give them some supplements nice and are and you putting like, them on the glutathione i give them nac Okay. Easier. I will give them some glutathione, but it tastes very sulfury and they don't like that. <laughs> it does. It does. We got a bottle in the fridge too and it does. It smells like yeah. eggs when you open it up. Yeah. But if they really hit their head, I'm like, no, you have to just, just choke it down because, you know, it's, it's, if you just hit your head. We got it. It's too precious. Gotcha. Um, and how much NAC are you giving them? So 
I for kids, you know, two grams if they can take that much. If they can swallow pills, I'll give them two grams. You know, as much as they can swallow. There was a study done, uh, sort of follow up to this glutathione one, where they had people. So they had 81 active military uh, in the field of war. So and they would be out there. There'd be an IED blast going off, and they'd have a concussion. Bring them to the medic, and they were given NAC. They gave them four grams of NAC and days one through four, so they for a week, one through four, two grams twice a day, days five through seven, 1.5 grams twice a day. And at the end of a week, 86% had improvement in their symptoms of concussion, whereas 42% if they weren't given NAC. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So. Now, is that, some, is that something that somebody involved in that kind of world on a regular basis or like, say, football players? That, I mean, football's not going to all of a sudden stop or anything. Right. Or my boys are involved in lacrosse. Yeah. Is that something that you could take kind of proactively, yes. preventatively? Yes. It is. Right. I would, I would take that. I would take um, vitamin C. I would take this sort of blend of antioxidant. I would make sure the vitamin D levels are optimal. There's certainly studies on animals showing that if vitamin D levels are low at the time of impact, there's more concussion symptoms later on than if, they're, if vitamin D levels are low. Most of us are low. Um, I would eat low sugar diet. Also, you know, these poor animals, we do so many studies, but UCLA, there was rats and they had them do learn a maze and then uh, one group well, so they gave both groups a head injury one group they fed sugar water to imagine like five diet uh, regular cokes a day or something the other group of rats no sugar just regular rat chow and after six weeks they had them do the maze again and the rats who did the sugar water 30 percent longer to finish the maze so it really okay. slows it because it slows the healing down pro-inflammatory sugar is pro-inflammatory to the brain and your brain is hurting after an injury and it's not able to use glucose as well and you're always burning ketones and glucose for fuel in the brain so ketogenic diet you're always using some fats for fuel if you eat a lot of sugar you're using no fats for fuel. You're just using sugar. And the glucose transporters are damaged in the brain, and they're not able to use that glucose as well. Well, so for immediate treatment, for lifelong treatment, say a guy like me who had 30,000 hits to the head, should I be considering that more on a daily basis, kind of from here on out? I think a ketogenic diet for neuro, neurological, health, neurological health should be tried for anyone who has brain problems and like memory and concussions. And so, yes, I would say for you, it would be really worth trying. Maybe not always, but right. cycling on and off. And what would be really cool is scanning your brain after like four or five months on the ketogenic diet to see what, what it does. Yeah. Um, so I did, <laughs> when I started working at Amen Clinics, I had some decreased activity in my brain. I'm embarrassed to say, but it's true. I had, <laughs> I was active too. I skateboarded, got a helmet, fell, played soccer, really active kid, fell out of trees all the time. And I had some, some decreases in my brain scan. And the thing that helped was I did a ketogenic diet for four months. We scanned it and some of the, many of the holes filled in. Okay. So, yeah. Fantastic because of blood flow and the fuel that it's using and all that. Exactly. Wow. That is awesome. So 
where does effective treatment begin? I know we talked about the NAC, the glutathione, the vitamin C. Where, in your opinion, does effective treatment begin? It begins with a really good assessment. Okay. So, you know, taking that history, understanding, okay, yes, I have had hits to the head. They don't always have to start, like the symptoms don't always start right at the beginning of when you hit your head. Um, it can be around that time, for example, you had a car accident and then had difficulty with focus or concentration maybe in the next month. Like there was this pastor that I, that I saw who um, he was 65 years old, had a car accident, and they told him he was fine in the ER. Two weeks later, couldn't write a sermon. Just words weren't coming out. His yeah. memory was poor. So symptoms can be delayed a little bit. So a good assessment starts with a history doing some cognitive testing to understand if there are problems with memory, focus, and attention, uh, mood. Those are things to look at. Uh, I like doing labs for people, understanding if there's nutrient or hormonal deficiencies, uh, imaging if you can do it, SPECT imaging, and then, and then creating a, a comprehensive plan for people because there's not one thing that's going to heal the brain from injury. It's a, it's a program that gives us the best chance. They've done over 25 clinical trials to find the one pill that cures the brain from injury, and they all have failed because it's more of a programmatic approach that's going to be effective. Yeah, it's kind of creating and cultivating that environment that the body and the brain can restore itself is, is essentially what I'm gathering. You're right, Nick. It's putting the brain in a healing environment through you know, low sugar, at the very least, protein at each meal, vegetables, healthy fats like avocados, coconut oil, fish oil, um, protein. So, so stable blood sugar, exercising most days, aerobic exercise, uh, sleeping sufficiently, seven and a half to eight hours of sleep, uh, taking supplements that help. So we talked about NAC, vitamin C, antioxidants, ginkgo biloba, um, alpha-lipoic acid, phosphatidylserine, Phosphatidylserine is kind of a mouthful. <laughs> that is a mouthful. <laughs> One of my favorites. So helpful for memory. It's helpful for focus. Um, so, and then optimizing hormones, lastly, I would say, is a key piece. All right, guys, we'll get you back to the podcast in just a moment. Do you know this, you business owners out there? The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for as a company so you can hire the right person fast. LinkedIn looks beyond work skills and pulls your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds using LinkedIn and why companies Ranked LinkedIn Jobs, the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team, T-E-A-M. Again, that's linkedin.com slash T-E-A-M to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, gang, while you're waiting... All right, gang, while you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.com. With no NBA, NHL, or NBA, you might be thinking there's nothing to bet on, man, but you're wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. 
and sports are totally done. There's still MMA, American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and there's $750,000 poker series. There's still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline. The fun never ends. Super excited about a new sponsor for our show. Style is changing. Formal wear is out, and the T-shirt is in. True Classic Tees, they're my favorite. I'm wearing it right now. So soft, it feels really good, and it fits really well, too. It's based in L.A., T-shirt company that's on the rise. T-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash. They're super versatile. You can wear them out. You can wear them to work or around the house, or I guess those things are one of the same these days. And we're going to be doing a lot of that. And the best part, they're super cheap, only $15. And now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com. Use the code BLEAV. That's believe, BLEAV for 20% off. That's believe, BLEAV at trueclassictees.com. Life, it is such a wonderful experience, and without health, we can't enjoy all that it has to offer. If you haven't heard, our family has a new supplement line with our name on it. We are so proud. Check us out at hardwick.life. It's like hardwick.com, but instead of .com, it's .life. We have been taking these exact pharmaceutical-grade supplements for several years now. We are waiting on our shipping and fulfillment process to get up to the quality and the standard that we expect and that you expect, and now it's on point, and we can't wait for you to try. We love the enhanced immunity they offer all of us. I put my body through the ringer with football. I love knowing that I'm doing everything in my power today to ensure that I'm giving myself the best chance possible to live that fulfilling life along with my family. Check check out these pharmaceutical-grade products and new family-friendly recipes posted all the time both on our Instagram and online at hardwick.life. Hardwick.life, foundational elements for a fulfilled life. Check them out. Yeah, I think that's got to be a really important piece, especially for guys like me. I would imagine a lot of combat veterans or people who have lived kind of that hard life. And, and this is really the tough thing to understand because when I, the world that I come from, obviously, we're highly tested on a routine mm-hmm. basis. And it's very illegal, and we've known it's very illegal to do any type of hormone replacement therapy. And you've been trained in that mode for so long that even when you get out of that world, to realize you have a hormone deficiency, but then kind of the willingness to be able to go back and do something about it, then when you're finally able to, I think that's a really tough barrier for a lot of men and women to cross that were former athletes. And Tell me about that because I, I have talked to plenty of doctors now about, you know, the pituitary stock gets damaged or the, the hormones and they drop off, you know, when you're done living in that world that you were in or the brain has had enough damage that it's done producing the necessary hormones. Mm. Tell me about that a little mm-hmm. bit. No, that's, that's a great uh, point. And I hadn't thought about the aspect of, how you were told that these are bad and you shouldn't use them. Oh yeah, from a very early age, everybody knew. (laughs) Wow, so it's like ingrained, oh no, this is bad. And now, okay, you need this. Um, So Dr. Kevin Yuen uh, published a study, you know, 20 to 30% of these retired NFL players have decreased growth hormone or testosterone or both. And it's like these whole, like you, you know, there's 
masculinity and health and it's like but there's low testosterone or low growth hormone that needs to be repleted that could be causing low energy or mood problems or things like this and they could be you know tested on a blood test and then repleted and yeah it's damaged to the pituitary gland the master hormone gland wow so I love how in the book you describe the oxidative damage that takes place after a traumatic brain injury as rusting of the brain. I've been saying for years that I would imagine my brain looks and operates kind of like how my knees, hips, and other joints feel. They took a pounding, and I, I describe those joints as they just got rust in the morning, and I got to kind of yeah, work through it. I think it paints a really cool picture for people. It's, mm -hmm. That's how you see the brain as well as the oxidative damage. I mean, oxidative is it's the rusting process mm -hmm. exactly exactly it's it's like a chemical inflammatory soup uh that that happens and it will persist like, like a fire that hasn't been put out and continues to just smolder uh and that's where the antioxidants are important uh and we don't want to just totally quench and squash all inflammation which is kind of may seem counterintuitive like they did this study in 2005 called the crash trial where the standard of care was corticosteroids, so giving steroids, which you know decrease inflammation, in the ER if there's been severe brain injury. But more people died from doing that versus not. So then they stopped. After 2005, it was no longer the standard of care. So it's like too much of a good thing, I guess, or too much quenching of inflammation is not good. But that's where the nutrients and the supplements, they're not, <clears throat> they're gonna be more gentle with our fragile brain tissue. They're going to um, balance things out more. You know, things like progesterone, very helpful after brain injury. Vitamin D modulates that inflammation really well after brain injury. You know, I, I think it's good to take like, you can take fairly high doses of vitamin D safely. Like on down where you're at, you know, sunny day, 10,000 international units of vitamin D, your skin's going to just produce. So I think that's a safe upper limit of a dose you could take. So you mentioned quenching the fire now a couple times. Mm -hmm. So in the book, this was really interesting to me that clinical trials list hypothermia as a way to treat traumatic brain injury by essentially lowering core body temperature and cooling the brain, reducing swelling. So mm -hmm. just a theory here, any chance that frequent immersion in cold therapy could have similar positive effects? I know it, the yeah. Wim Hof thing is kind of outrageous, yeah. a little bit of a biohack. Mm -hmm. I get that, but yeah. Are, are there positive effects on the brain from immersing the body in cold water? I love cold therapy and hydrotherapy. I mean, as a naturopathic physician, we were trained in this. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm recommending for people sometimes to do like mustard packs on their chest and things like that for lung infections and that. But cold therapy, when I, when I was writing the book and looking into this, it made so much sense to me. Nick, but there wasn't, it, did, it wasn't supported by the evidence for acute brain injury. I mean, certainly if you're needing to do surgery and things like that, yes. I think it's very helpful in revitalizing just from a personal perspective to do cold immersion therapy and also saunas and heat, heat therapy too. Uh, and um, yeah, it definitely activates and turns on uh, the nervous system. And I think it's helpful and healing decreases inflammation. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that a lot of people are getting into now, and I've been into this for about a year, and I just, I know it just helps me from a patient standpoint, mm -hmm. which is good, but I don't know if it's actually having effects on my brain. Uh, a lot of folks are meditating now. 
So oh, yeah. what are, what are the spec scans saying about its efficacy to treat brain injuries? Well, there are actually a couple of trials uh, as it relates to meditation and brain injury. And most of them focus on um, mindfulness-based stress reduction, like an eight or 12-week course, and then showing that improvements in quality of life. There's clear evidence that it increases frontal lobe and temporal lobes, which again, frontal lobe is focus and concentration. Temporal lobes is kind of like stabilizing mood. It also, also calms the... Um, cortisol and stress response, like the sympathetic nervous system is, is stabilized. Uh, and so even, you know, after a brain injury or having concussions, it's hard to focus and hard to concentrate, right? Trying to meditate. I think yeah. it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Very difficult. But so helpful. And the key thing is not that you have to remain perfectly calm and, and be able to be focused for the entire time, but that you keep bringing your focus back and you catch yourself and you bring it back and the bringing it back is like the bicep curl for your brain. Gotcha. Yes. That's where the real work is done. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Any other high tech tools that people could be using? I know I've yes. read a little bit recently and I have never done this neurofeedback training. It, mm -hmm. do, what do you know about that? Well, I would say, Meditation is poor man's brain training. Neurofeedback is like having an Olympic level coach. It's like very sophisticated and you've had an EEG. So it's like having the wires hooked up to your head, but you're actually working that in real time. Like, so they're measuring brain activity and then you're actually, um, they're having you do things to change your brain waves in real time to improve the parts that are low or decrease the parts that are too active. And uh, it's very effective. In fact, American College of Pediatrics says that it's uh, as effective as stimulant medications for ADD in kids. Wow. So why wouldn't we do this all the time, right? But Yeah, exactly. How do people access that? That's the challenge. I think that's why it's not commonplace. So psychologists, uh, typically sometimes master's level therapists and doctors will have this equipment. There's quite a variety of people who... Uh, offer neurofeedback. Some people have just done like a weekend workshop and they have very rudimentary equipment. There's then there's like people with $30,000 equipment and they have years of training. That's who I would want to go to is the person with the, the expensive gear and the training. But exactly. typically they're psychologists, sometimes master's level therapists. And, um, you know, you can, you can go to the website bcia.org and oftentimes that's a certification for neurofeedback and biofeedback. And yeah, if you can find someone that does um, lens neurofeedback, typically that's going to be, or QEEG, QEEG um, focused neurofeedback, then, then they've got pretty sophisticated equipment. They got the nice equipment. Now, what about yeah. this? I've seen it in, in this, probably I'm answering my question myself is there's like a 200 or $300. It's called the Muse EEG system. It's like mm -hmm. one of those things you can have at home and I guess it monitors you and then has a meditation yeah. course that kind of goes along with that. Mm -hmm. Where would you rank that at? I'd say that's in between the two. I actually got one of those because I was interested in it. And uh, I think it works pretty well because it trains you to, uh, like if you're distracted, it's like your coach, meditation coach. If you're, you're listening to the music, uh, you're trying to focus. If you get distracted, all of a sudden there's like thunder and lightning and you have to 
bring your focus back. And so I think it's like a meditation trainer is kind of how to. Oh, cool. But not quite as high end as the lens or the QEEG or anything like that. No. Gotcha. What kind of results have you seen on the brain from hyperbaric oxygen therapy? If I had one silver bullet for treating the brain from brain injury, it would be hyperbaric oxygen. If I could only do one thing, I would do hyperbaric. Uh, now it works so, so, so it's a chamber, and for those who don't know, where there's pressure and you're breathing uh, 80 to 90 to 100% oxygen when you're in the chamber. So your cells are saturated, you're pushing to the oxygen to the deeper structures that haven't healed. This is like a, like a chamber that is, you know, your ears pop a little, so it's not super intense. And you go in there for a series of like 40 hours, typically, sometimes 80, sometimes 120. And it works so much better if you have the other pieces that we talked about earlier in place first, the nutrition, the exercise, the sleep, the hormones. It's sort of like will be the next level. Uh, we did a study with Zachary Leistead, uh, who you might be familiar with. He's the reason we have the Zachary Leistead law or some version of it in, in all 50 states where if a player is suspected of having a concussion, they need to be assessed by a healthcare professional before being put back into the yeah. field of play. And he had been, you know, an athlete, I think he was 13, 14 years old, played football, got hit, pulled out, but then went back in and got hit again. Major brain bleed in a coma for months. We had to relearn to walk and talk, never the same again. And uh, we did a study with him scanned him and then did 40 sessions of hyperbaric oxygen and scanned him again. And this was six years after his injury. So, it, you know, okay. shouldn't be able to get any better, but he had improvements in frontal lobe and parietal lobe. So someone like this needs more like 200 hours of, you know, like tons of hyperbaric oxygen. Yeah. So the more the better, but there's like a threshold where you definitely want to get a certain amount and, that will help sort of boost healing. You mentioned the, the time. So he was six years out from his injury and not thinking that a whole lot could be done. It's, right. I, I guess that's always the thought process that I'm trying to urge people. It's like, hey, hey you should be doing something anyway, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I'm five years out. This is going to be my sixth year out of the NFL. It's like, I'm fighting like hell to try to maintain anything that I've got yeah. in this brain. And right. I know the damage is done, but... Hey, you get your nutrition on point, you get your supplementation on point, you live a really healthy, active lifestyle, and you've got a, you've got a really good fighting chance to create that kind of environment. Yeah. What, what kind of time windows are we talking about on people with TBI or, or prior injuries? Well, the sooner the better, but at the same time, it's never too late to heal your brain from injury and to improve it. So we did a study with 30 retired NFL, uh, guys you probably know, uh, and they were headed towards CTE, many of them, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, we would assume, because they're having problems with memory, anger, focus, uh, depression. We scanned them before and after. We did cognitive testing, put them on a program. Essentially, what you're talking about, nutrition, supplements, sleep, ruling out sleep apnea. Many of them had this. Some got hyperbaric oxygen. 80% improvement after six months these guys and it had been 15 20 years since they'd played so it's not too late and uh to at least try like you said why not you try have to. to 
You have to. You have to. You you owe it to yourself. It's your life. It's like, your life. You're, you're you you have to fight for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm with you. I know there's there's clinics and a lot of guys' hometowns out there, or or gals, or anybody who's been affected by traumatic brain injury that they can go do the hyperbaric oxygen. But there's also mm -hmm. those at home rental mm -hmm. versions. Mm -hmm. Do those work effectively or not yeah, quite as much? They do. They do. I, um, this is a common question. And the, the research that I've seen, they both work. Uh, and you may be a little more efficient with the heart shell chamber, which can go higher pressure and more oxygen. But most of the studies, it's low and slow and like long term. It's more the time in the chamber versus like tons of oxygen right at once. That's more like divers or you're trying to kill Lyme gotcha. disease or something like that. Gotcha. So just uh, get in it no matter how, it, how you can get in that thing. Yes, get in that thing. I, I like the rental versions because it saves time and, and money and just it's more, the compliance goes way up because it's right in your living room or your garage or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to go to a facility. You don't have to book a time. You don't have to do all that. So if somebody were to rent one, like if I were to rent one, mm -hmm. Would you rent it for like a month, two months, and just get in that thing as often as possible? Yeah, that's exactly what I recommend. People rent it for a couple months, um, try and get at least 40, if you can get 80 hours better, and and then reassess. Maybe you want to rent it for another two months, or maybe you want to buy one. I don't know. <laughs> just just <laughs> recommend it. Just throw it out there. Maybe you want to buy that thing. Yeah. How, how important is sleep in this whole process? Well, you know, people with this brain injury, 30 to 70% of them have sleep problems. So, and I think it's closer to 70. Uh, and it's for a couple of reasons. One is the neurons are damaged. And so they're kind of, uh, it's like the light switch is not all the way on or not all the way off. They're kind of flickering fluorescent lights. Your brain your neurons, they can't turn off when they need to at night. They can't turn on so you're sleepy during the day. That's part of why. Also, uh, there's this wake-promoting chemical called hypocretin that is not being released. Hypocretin helps you be awake and alert during the day, so that kind of messes up your circadian rhythms, and also not enough melatonin is often produced after injury. So I think I would go as far so far to say that it is very difficult or nearly impossible to heal from a brain injury if you're having like chronic sleep deprivation. Gotcha. And any recommendations to help get the sleep sorted out? Or is that a function of the brain healing and then allowing the body to sleep? Or is it the body sleeping mm. and then healing? It's kind of a, it becomes a double, a kind of a vicious cycle. So uh, I think melatonin, if you haven't tried that, that is very helpful at um, calming the brain and helping with sleep. Doesn't work for a lot of people. Uh, next level, and, and of course, you're getting out the screens, there's, you know, you're doing meditation apps or whatever you need to do, like, to get your brain calm. I mean, get you, you, get you to wind down. Oh, yeah. Doc, tell me about melatonin, because I've had some people tell me that melatonin, it, it is a hormone, correct? Yeah. And they say that it kind of messes with the testosterone, or it's not something that you want to be on on a regular basis what what do we need to know about melatonin like how safe is it yes. to be on for an extended period of time or what what kind of time yes. period do you recommend i don't know where these myths are coming from but melatonin <laughs> is 100 percent safe 
you could, it's, I think it comes from the idea other hormones can be suppressed. Like if you took just injectable testosterone, you could suppress your own testosterone and would eventually. Right. Uh, melatonin doesn't work like that. You can take hundreds of grams of mil milligrams of melatonin for years, stop, and you'll still produce melatonin the next day. Wow. You know, cancer patients we give for uh, 20 milligrams just for the antioxidant benefit alone. So I would say it's part of the healing, even if you're not using it for sleep, it could be used for healing the brain. And I would have no qualms, you know, of using it. Teenagers can use it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great to know because it really does. I, I found a lot of benefits good melatonin use yeah don't be afraid of yeah. it but then i heard it and i was like ah, and, and then i stopped for a little bit of time and then it mm -hmm. it did it and maybe this was just because of an awareness thing that i wasn't taking the melatonin it felt like a crutch i was like oh i don't have my melatonin i'm not going to sleep now i'm sleeping really well without it oh good yeah which yeah. is fantastic yeah so That's now awesome. it's like okay well if i'm not sleeping maybe i'll pop a melatonin you can use and, it it's I, a tool yes so thank you for that you mentioned aerobic exercise. Mm -hmm. Tell me about physical activity okay. and kind of recommendations for the brain. Well, mostly for healing the brain from injury, it's aerobic exercise. And uh, the more, the better, honestly, if we have, uh, and the more intense, the more BDNF you will produce. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Yeah. It's like miracle growth for neurons. Supplements increase a little bit, meds a little bit, but exercise trumps all of those. And if you can do interval training, great. Uh, and then um, for strength. You, you like interval training for BDNF? I like, I like interval training for BDNF, yes. And also for growth hormone. So if, if you're not able to or it's not practical to do some sort of supplement to increase growth hormone, uh, and it's good to do physical exercise anyway, uh, again, more intense, the more growth hormone you will produce, especially interval training specifically. Do you recommend growth hormone for, for some brain patients? Yes, yes, you do. some people are low. Um, what I recommend are the things that help you produce it yourself more. So if, if they're someone who is not producing uh, at all, then I refer them to an endocrinologist like Dr. Kevin Yuen at the Barrow Institute in Phoenix. He's like a world expert in this. Uh, but if they're able to produce some degree, and you can tell on labs where, some, where someone's at in that continuum, right? there's things that you can do to help stimulate their own production. Uh, back to the exercise real quick. And I'm thinking kind of specifically of a couple of guys that I know, but more really one guy who's multiple years out now from brain injury. But every time he gets involved in vigorous physical activity, mm -hmm. he his head starts to get upset. Should he be working through those symptoms or work up to the symptoms? Oh. What, what kind of are the recommendations towards that? These are like perfect questions. So um, the rule of thumb is, is you want to exercise right before the point of symptoms. You don't want to work through that okay. unless it's like dizziness and you know, your visual field is disrupted. But if it's from like headaches or other concussion symptoms, memory or confusion increases, you want to back off. And so like say a 15 minute jog, you'll start having a headache, try 10 minutes or try walking or something, but you don't want to push through that. You want to listen to your body. It's interesting that it's been even years after. The one thing I would also think about for people 
who are having symptoms with exercise, if it's been years out, is to look at the structural aspect and make sure the first and second cervical vertebrae are not out of alignment because if those are misaligned, they could be impinging on cerebral spinal fluid flow. And as you're increasing blood flow, there's increased pressure and that's causing, potentially causing symptoms where there's like a backup. And so certain kinds of chiropractors will, will look at this nuca, upper cervical chiropractors or atlas orthogonal chiropractors can assess and treat this. Oh, wow, fantastic recommendation there. How important is the brain spec scan in diagnosing brain injuries? Well, it's 94% um, sensitive and specific at picking up mild traumatic brain injury compared to MRI. So it's very, very effective. And, you know, four out of 10 patients that we come to and see at Amen Clinics for some other reason are found to have had a brain injury. So it's a significant contributor to brain problems. And you hit on this a little bit earlier, and, and this was kind of a really common thing as I was getting assessed, as I was working my way out of the NFL career. It's like, well, how are you feeling when I get my neurocognitive test? And I'm like, you don't really know. And, and yeah. part of the thing that they wanted to say was, well, you've got two young boys at home. Uh, you've got a new career that you're kind of working into. How do you tell the difference between normal aging and an expedited aging mm. and you need to go get checked out? Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the idea of normal aging <laughs> because why, why do our brains have to naturally decrease in activity? Like, why can't we keep them, keep ourselves sharp and clear as into old age? I think exactly. that that is the goal. So, um, you know, because it could be that you're headed towards like dementia or Alzheimer's. Like, why take the chance? Why not try and improve things? Uh, what's the worst thing that would happen if, if you don't try and improve your brain health? I mean, you might lose some weight and or get healthier in some other way. You know, that's the only side effect. Describe this concept to me. I thought it was brilliant in the book. The concept of brain reserve or cognitive reserve as it relates mm -hmm. to a person's resilience to brain damage. The idea of brain reserve is that you're born with a certain amount of cognitive function and ability, and you can either make it better or worse as you get older. And you can make it worse by things like hitting your head, drinking alcohol, using drugs, uh, being stressed, not sleeping enough. You make it better by doing all the opposite things, new learning, you know, taking supplements, um, exercising, eating well. And having positive relationships and uh, so it's like the idea of brain reserve really comes into play in uh, brain injury because imagine like two guys in a tank and the tank blows up and one of them has concussion symptoms for years the other heals and doesn't why is that like maybe one had good brain reserve and the other didn't and part of its genetics I mean there's the APOE4 allele which is known as the Alzheimer's gene and I have I have that one. I looked it up when I read about oh, it in your book. I went and did my 23 and me and I was like, oh no. Oh, no. I was like, oh no. I just <laughs> felt so devastated for a while. And I was like, well, it, it, not it, a death sentence. It, it's not, not a death, death sentence. No. Exactly. It just it's just you you're just one that has to take extra care like you already are doing. You need to be one who like is extra careful. So then if your kids have maybe one or two genes of this, then they would want to, you know, definitely there's vitamin D, all of this stuff, which 
you know, I'm sure they will. And that facility. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're really, we treat them like little adults mm-hmm. as, when it comes to the food That's and great. it comes to supplementation yeah. and they're, they're starting to learn they're six and eight years old and they're just, they're <laughs> starting to learn. And I think it's really mm-hmm. about that environment that you want to create that protects mm-hmm. them on the front end. And then if anything happens, maybe it expedites the healing process on the back end. Right. Totally. Yep. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Obviously, go pick up this book. I mean, seriously, this is, it, it really is the comprehensive program to heal traumatic brain injury. I think it's fabulous. I think it's very easy to, to digest. I think you did a wonderful job with it. So congrats on that. Anything Thank else you. you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, I mean, you've asked some excellent, excellent questions. You really got to the heart of it. And uh, I'm glad to have shared the information. I just want people to know that it's never too late to heal the brain from injury, at least to try. And um, that you you have it in your power to improve your health and your brain and, and uh, go out and try and get that next level of of brain optimization. I love it. Dr. Chapek, thank you so much for the time. Where can people follow you? I'm at Instagram, Dr. Cabron Chapik, and Facebook, and LinkedIn, and then the books, yeah, on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Doc, thank you so much. This was fabulous. We greatly appreciate your time, and we know you're at a very busy time in the medical world, so we'll let you get back to it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Believe Network.